Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to Roll Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Pat Corain, Kyle Dvorak, Denny Carter. It's Thanksgiving week, also known as Week 12 in the NFL universe of all you have is NFL brain and you organize your entire life around the National Football League like we do, not casting stones there. Uh, we're going to break down every game from Week 12. That includes the Packers at the Eagles, the Chargers at the Cardinals, apparently, um, the Bengals at the Titans. I had to squint the Rams at the... Wow, the Chiefs. I put that one on there. <laughs> uh, 14 and a half point favorites for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but first, we're going to begin with the Thanksgiving slate, but we're going to do something a little different. We're going to go rapid fire with the slate because when you're listening to this podcast, let's just be real. Uh, the Thanksgiving games might have already happened, and you don't want to hear about that. But we need to talk about it because there's some really, really, really good games on Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to get the floor for one minute on the Thanksgiving games. And that includes beginning with the Buffalo Bills at the Detroit Lions. The Buffalo Bills now, of course, are stationed in Detroit. They play their Ford Field's second tenant. So it's a home game for both teams. I'll start with Patrick Crane. Crane, you have one minute to tell us what you want the folks to know about the Buffalo Bills and the Detroit Lions starting now. All right. So the Bills, uh, they have been using a lot of three wide receiver sets, as you might expect, for a pass-heavy team. 81% of dropbacks. They've been in three wide receiver sets this season, but they were down to just 66% against the Browns using some heavy personnel as they shifted to the run against the Browns run funnel. That absolutely killed Isaiah McKenzie's involvement, who had just 50% route participation down from 80% the week before. I think that makes him a little bit of a risky option this week because we don't know if the Bills are going to continue with that heavy personnel. Dawson Knox, though, was at 83% route participation. I think he's locked in regardless of whether they're in three wide receiver sets or in more of that heavy personnel. So he's kind of my ancillary play of choice here over McKenzie. I would also note that James Cook led the NFL in rush yards over expected per attempt last week. He's in play as a DFS option, as a bet on rushing efficiency against this defense. Wow. You went I, under I, a minute there. I feel um, I feel like I was listening to Crane on, on 1.5 speed. Yeah, I think we were. Um, That's pretty good. And yeah, I've got everyone really, really psyched up, hyped up. Denny, go! One minute. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, um, uh, wasted four seconds. Thank you. Panic <laughs> for half his time. <laughs> wait, wait. All right. I'm going to talk about Cleef Raymond. Uh, should continue operating as the wide receiver, two for Detroit. He's second on the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards over the past three weeks. DJ Chark made his return to the lineup in week 10, and he hardly played. Maybe that creeps up a little bit. But I, I still like Raymond as the number two. 
pass catcher uh, for Detroit in what should be negative game script. Um, the Bills, meanwhile, are a pass funnel defense and have, have allowed the sixth highest EPA uh, overall since week seven. The Bills have allowed the fourth highest rate of positive pass plays on the season. So I think wow. you can get there with Jared Goff Ooh. as a as a streamer. Now, you know, I'm talking like 14-team league, but you could do way worse than Goff this week, I think. Uh, you could do way better as well. <laughs> Kyle Dvorak, we're going to take people behind the curtain. Dude, a little scheduling snafu. <laughs> Kyle is also blurbing uh, during the podcast. We're trying to make history today, folks. Kyle, one minute on the Bills and the Detroit Lions. What do you want to tell the folks? Ironically, you would think that my, uh, my stats – or evidence that I am like only half paying attention because I have I've come to you guys with this realization that the Stephon Diggs guy seems to be somewhat good at football. He's actually second in yards per route run versus man coverage. Lions are top five in man coverage rate. Lions also rank 32nd in yards per attempt allowed. They're bottom two or three in EPA allowed per drop back as well. So from a DFS angle, I know he plays on the same slate as Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, CD. Other players too, but man, this looks like an all-time incredible spot for him to absolutely nuke a terrible defense that loses in a way that is perfect for facing him. They also the Lions get beat up. Uh, you know, they're fifth in points or their top five in points allowed to the slot. Diggs plays about a third of his snaps in the slot. So, and I think that could maybe even go up if they start using more big personnel. So this is uh, I mean, not surprising. Should be a nuke for him. Kind of sad. None of you actually took the full minute. I was kind of hoping to like buzz someone or something. And, <laughs> and week 12, it's crowded the top between uh, who, who's the number one receiver? Or who's the good receiver that we all? Uh, <laughs> it's Devontae. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot remember who to rank number one this week. But Tyreek. Between Tyreek, Devonta Adams, Steph Diggs, they all have very, very strong yeah. cases. I've just taken longer to remember one. The best receiver is in the NFL's name than you did to break down a game, which, of course, takes us to the New York Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. They have the same record, but the Cowboys are 10-point favorites because the Giants are obviously terrible. Or are they, Denny Carter? What do we need to know about this Thanksgiving matchup? Yeah, look, uh, the Giants are down bad. Uh, they're they're missing three starting offensive linemen, four offensive linemen overall. They have a rotational guy out. Um, I think that could nuke this game for uh, for for the nuclear Giants. weapons on the mind today. By the way, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, so so yeah, I mean, I I, I think it could get I, it could get ugly uh, against a, a Dallas team with the fourth highest uh, QB pressure rate. You know, Micah Parsons could actually have like 11 sacks here. Um, so I, I, I think it's terrible. That's how terrible many had a Kirk Cousins in the first half, by the way? Right. It's ter- terrible news for Saquon Barkley, who I think I think can be in a in a in a terrible enough blowout can be scripted out uh, of of this game. I think uh, I don't I don't know. I I regret saying that Saquon will be the leading rusher on Thanksgiving <laughs> when we were talking to our buddy Lawrence Jackson uh, about who would who would lead in rushing. I, I now want to shift to Tony Pollard. Let's put it that way. I said he would be too. And if you're going to get home against the yeah. Cowboys, the ground is the way to do it versus the air. Yeah. So still yeah. feel okay about Saquon. Crane, who do you feel okay or not okay about in this game? I mean, Saquon's going to get volume. Uh, Cowboys are a massive run funnel. Opponents, is, opponents are averaging a minus 8% pass rate of expected against them. They're shifting 6% to the run. Only the Texans are a bigger run funnel this season. I tend to agree with Denny that it's just going to be kind of a gross outing on the Giants' side. But, I mean, volume should be there for for Barkley. On the Cowboys' side, I mean, Tony Pollard uh, was the cover of the walkthrough. 
He's he's awesome. But the guy I want to highlight here that may be a little more under the radar is Michael Gallup. He had a first read target on 18% of his routes against the Vikings. That tied Dalton Schultz for the team lead. He's now nearly 11 months removed from his ACL surgery and or ACL tear. And so I'm wondering if like maybe we see more of Gallup in the coming weeks. Maybe his usage gets ramped up a little bit. You know, if so, that you know, last week's usage could be a sign of that. So he's someone that I think is a very strong DFS play. That's I'm glad to hear a pro Michael Gallup case because it hasn't made sense to me that he, he he's not exactly been like down and out, but it's like four catches for 38 yards every single week. So maybe we can finally get Michael Gallup going on this short week, Kyle. In your short amount of time, while you attempt to blurb and podcast at the same time, who do you need to highlight in Giants Cowboys? It's looking like a good week for Darius Slayton, even if the offense. Yeah, this is like a scary spot for the offense, but I'm just looking at these receivers for volume purposes. Richie James questionable. I expect him to play at least per the per Dan Dugan at the Athletics said all the guys who are questionable should be playing. A lot of guys, as Pat mentioned, already ruled out, but I think actually Denny mentioned that. But Darius Slayton, a 22% target share since week seven. He also has a 34% air yard share since week seven. He is 16th among all receivers in yards per route run. He is sort of beating the confines of this offense by being a strong playmaker when they really have no one else to go to. It is as bad as it gets with Wandale Robinson now done for the year. So even if it's just a volume-based play, I really do like Darius Slayton's chance to get home on the three-gamer slate because they have no one else to throw to. And he's efficient, even though defenses know you have to go through Slayton if you want to pass if you're Daniel Jones. All we can hope on this beautiful, wonderful annual Thanksgiving is that the Dallas Cowboys, something funny happens to them on Thanksgiving, (laughs) which it normally does. Last year, the funny thing was losing to the Raiders. So we'll see. Cowboys, see, can you pull through for us? And Kirk Cousins' personal nightmare, he's not only playing in primetime against Bill Belichick, he's playing in primetime against Bill Belichick on a national holiday where probably 40 million people are going to be watching. Hmm. He just got uh, broken in two by Micah Parsons. Denny Carter, what do we need to know about this game? Other than yeah. Kirk Cousins is already down bad. Yeah, I know. I'm uh, I'm trying to steal myself to stack Kirk Cousins and his pass catchers in DFS. Are you stacking Patriots pass catchers? By the way, I'm but trying to stack. Not to get political. I'm trying to stack the worst place. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> so over the, over the past three games, uh, T.J. Hawkinson, uh, borderline elite fantasy option. He's second in targets on the team uh, with 27. Meanwhile, Adam Thielen has taken a pretty firm backseat to Hawkinson as that number two guy. Uh, Thielen is third on the team with 17 targets over the past three games. Hawkinson leads leads the team, actually leads Justin Jefferson with 21 catches over that three-game span. So, obviously, you're going to keep playing him. Really good play. Thielen, I think, is just a almost like a thin fantasy option at this point. Definitely no, no real upside for Adam Thielen as long as Hawkinson is in the fold. Um, although Thielen is running, uh, you know, has a strong route rate, like almost hundred percent. I, I, I think that you could probably do better in, in 12 teams. Uh, I, I don't have a compelling case to roll Thielen out and but trust me, folks, I was looking for one. Yeah, it does not exist. Patrick Crane, what do we got on Minnesota and new England? Well, you mentioned the Patriots wide receivers. Uh, I hope that's bit cause it's kind of a mess over on the Patriots side. Uh, yeah. not, not where I would be going. In DFS, outside like really um, big contests. Yeah. Well, did you not uh, see Kyle Dvorak blurb during this show that Devontae Parker is playing though? Um, well, Devontae Parker was back last week. Only at I was going to say, I actually blurbed these questionable too. I said I did say he's playing. Like he's, I assume at least he played through it last week. I assume it's maintenance. Just but. wanted to point out that you had to blurb him during the show. I had I, know, no I, idea. I had no idea what it said. That's fair. 
I don't know what it said either. I'm kind of like all over the place. Sorry, Pat. We've taken up uh, 39 seconds of your time. Uh-oh. All right. Well, he had 33% route participation last week. So, you know, a very much a part ancillary role, you know, not really that involved. But Tyquan Thornton was hurt by his presence down to 30%. Kendrick Bourne was at 36%. Nelson Aguilar led the way among the non-Myers receivers with a 64% route rate. But he's at just 49% for the season. So I don't know that that holds. We could see Parker's role increase. I feel like if you're going to bet on any of them that's not Myers, it would probably be Parker for me. But none of them are seeing very high target rates. I'd rather I'd rather take stabs on the Cowboys guys than uh, these these Patriots guys. Kyle, what caught your attention in Vikings-Patriots? I mean, last week we saw Ramondre Stevenson out-touch Damian Harris 21-10, still had the strong carry lead over him 15-8. to And I think the thing that, like, I just have so little faith in good things staying good the way they are, which to me, Ramondre Stevenson being a league winner amongst so many other injuries is one of the best things we've gotten this year. And of course, in a game in which Damian Harris runs for eight yards a carry and Stevenson was just bottled up, you know, putrid 1.7 yards per attempt. I, you could have told me anything of that nature. And I would have said, Bill's doing it. He's taking our beautiful Ramondre away. And he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. We got still the elite role for Ramondre Stevenson, despite Damian Harris being much more efficient. I mean, much, much more efficient, almost four, over four times the yards per carry. So if that's not the game in which they flip the script and go back to a true 50-50 split, I don't think the game exists. Yeah, Bill knows an Alvin Kamara when he sees one. That's really kind of the workload. Reminder, Stevenson has been seeing and producing Alvin Kamara like lines on them. It could get more touchdowns. We need more. We need more tutties, tutters, turkeys, et cetera, whatever turkeys. these touchdowns are called these days. But they'll be coming from Andre Steven, who's just a very, very good player. And I will be coming for the rest of the normal slate as <laughs> we get. Andre Steven. <laughs> That's his name. Yeah, I like the short. You just cut no, no. the. It's just the middle. You just gave us the middle. Well, That's because he dropped. Because he dropped the sun. Didn't you see it? Kyle blurbed this during the show. He wants to be known <laughs> as Ramondre Steven now. Um, so yeah, I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, with their season officially not saved, the Green Bay Packers arrive in Philadelphia as touchdown underdogs. Denny, while the Eagles remain something of an open and shut offense, the Packers are undergoing continual personnel adjustments now it seems like christian watson might be the man to start ahead of alan lazard is this true true or false uh well i i do think it, it kind of depends on what kind of fantasy football life that you desire do you are desire... you cool and fun and you like skateboard and whatnot <laughs> you know you, you wear your hat backwards you and skip, have a mountain dew sometimes yeah Baja Baja blast blast on the weekends dew. right then then you're playing christian watson brother if that's if if that's the case Duh. now if you're buttoned up if you have a suit jacket on while you podcast if you shave every day you're playing alan lazard and it's not, it's not <laughs> oh fun. no okay no listen listen I, and I, I take no pleasure in saying that by the way lazard <laughs> is eighth in expected fantasy points per game among receivers since week eight he's just just behind cd lamb uh there um now, you know, Watson leads all Green Bay receivers and targets per route run over the past two games with about 24%. But I think that he he will continue to be like very volatile because the Packers don't want to throw. They don't they they simply do not want to throw the ball. So he's gonna have to keep getting there. Watson's gonna have to keep getting there on touch on touchdowns. Um or big plays, you know, big downfield plays. Can he do it? I think he can because he seems to be good at that. Uh, but I I I'm hesitant to say like definitely play Watson over Lazard. And I want to. 
I want to. And by the way, just a few quick facts. Denny, no man under the age of 40 has shaved every day since, uh, no man under the age of 40 had shaved every day since 1992. So oh, you're, yeah, that's, you're, that's for sure. <laughs> you're the lone person under the age of 40 who's still shaving every day. And mm-hmm. I had a second, but yeah, the Eagles, you might not, they're going to have, they're going to have to run against the Eagles to move the ball. Let's just put it that way. Um, they, they are much more, not great, uh, not good to approach on the ground, but much, much more applaudable, palatable. I can't, I'm just, I'm just going to hand it off to him. I can't talk for this little segment right here. Kyle, is AJ Dillon even flex relevant right now? Yeah, that feels like a stretch to call him flex relevant. Do I think you should still be holding on to him? I, I, th- I think I think so. I don't even feel super confident in that. He still saw 48% of the snaps last week. But the thing that masks is that since week eight, he's had a 37% running back carry share. So he's not even coming close to that sort of 50-50. Sure, he doesn't catch many passes, but he does at least have a strong role on the ground. We've even lost that part of his game. So I think he's probably a good contingent value play because he would take a lot of the work. But I also don't feel great about this offense. Maybe Christian Watson changes the dynamic and they're back to being elite. But I think they're going to be more of an average to slightly above average team. And that's with Watson being, you know, he won't be as good as he's been the past two weeks. But he has to do a lot of carrying to make this team look good. So I think he's a, you know, one down back on an offense that I'm not dying to get pieces of. I, I think you should probably hold on to him and you really shouldn't be playing him. I totally agree. And what I was trying to say was it's not easy to move the ball on the Eagles on the ground, but it's easier to run on the Eagles than it is to throw on the Eagles. Even with that being the case, I think Kyle laid it out really, really well with AJ Dillon, who just has not been producing of late crane flipping to the Eagles. Are there any post Dallas Goddard trends in the Eagles skill core? Just not enough data right now. Are we maybe seeing more checkdowns, even more short targets for Devontae Smith, who is already getting a fair number of them before Dallas Goddard's injury. Yeah, I think so. I think that we're moving towards consolidating targets to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Jack Stoll last week had 73% route participation, filling in for Dallas Goddard, but he had a 5% target rate. Uh, That's obviously extremely, extremely low, Uh, and it it helped Devontae Smith lead the team in target share. A.J. Brown had very solid target share as well. I think we could see these two kind of form – one of these hyper condensed duos like, um, you know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett would be the one that comes to mind here. Uh, and, you know, and that's pretty exciting. I will note, by the way, just before we move on, uh, I, Christian Watson, I, let's be a little bit more excited about Christian Watson. His, You're, I think he already has target, more career touchdowns than Marquez Valdez Scantling, the man he replaced. Yeah, there you go. His yards per target this year is 8.7, which isn't terrible, but it's lower than you'd expect for his 9.5 or for his uh, 13.2, eight odd, excuse me. That, you know, I think gives you the sense of, yes, he's had some big plays over the last few weeks, but he's been running routes at a low rate kind of all season. He's hit some big plays recently. The bigger thing here for him is that he he has only had a 40% route rate this, this year. So 78% last week. With him out there running the routes, he's actually had better per route opportunity than Lazard this year, and he's been a lot more efficient. He has an elite 2.04 yards per route run for a rookie right now. 
Let's uh, let's drink our Mountain Dews and get excited. <laughs> All right, you don't have to tell me twice. I got some Baja in the fridge. I'll crack open. Yeah, no, I am. I on my Tuesday stream, I was encouraging folks to to keep going with Watson over over Lazard. But I I do get some case for Lazard being a safer safer play. Fantasy people, they they love safe, right? They we do love, love safe. But we we love shouldn't a, we shouldn't coddle them and tell them it's okay to be safe. We we, we love twelve PPR points, don't we, folks? <laughs> Code Red, Mountain Dew Code Red, by the way, has that dog in it, but that's why I can't drink it um, too much. Uh, what happens? I used to, uh, Code Red was one of my jams growing up, but yeah. Real quick, by the way, so I was joking about the MVS Christian the Watson there. thing, but MVS had 13 touchdowns in four years as a Green Bay Packer. Christian Watson already has five. Wow. And this is an off-menu question. But doing the rankings, like I keep dutifully ranking AJ Brown in the top ten. But like I'm beginning to wonder why. I mean, we know is it just because the ceiling wins weeks when he hits the ceiling? Yeah. Like the floor is really like it's frankly a wide receiver two floor. It's not. Yeah, you're, you're not kidding. You stopped drinking Code Red a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, I, no. I can tell. All right. <laughs> so am I playing AJ Brown just because he sometimes wins me weeks? <laughs> I mean, yes. like, wins me weeks. <laughs> I know, but man, this could, could could use a little more intermingling of floor and ceiling. It doesn't I have to agree. only be floor. As someone who has a lot of AJ Brown, I would I would enjoy more of the week winning output. <laughs> AJ Brown will never win a week except for when he does. Uh, Danny, what what's the deal with Miles Sanders? Um, oh, it's been a while. Let me hear about this. Let me follow this. It's been Miles Sanders, 13 carry, 47 yards. What's the deal with this? Yeah. All right. Here's the the deal with Miles Sanders. I mean, he's he's pretty much a product of game script. He has 12 and 13 carries over the past two weeks while the Eagles have played from behind quite a bit. Um, He is completely uninvolved in the passing game for Philadelphia. Miles Sanders has a whopping three targets over the team's past five games. So you just mm. really, really need the Eagles to play from ahead and to establish the proverbial run. Uh, uh, Packers are pretty, are pretty extreme run funnel. Thank goodness for maybe mile, for Miles Sanders. They've allowed a rush. Sorry. They've ha- allowed a high rush EPA on the season, but they're kind of in the middle of the league uh, in EPA against the run since week seven. So they, what I'm saying is they've improved a little bit. But you know what you're getting with Miles Sanders. He's pretty touchdown dependent. He's definitely game script dependent. If the Packers get out to a lead here, which, you know, not likely, but we didn't think that about the commanders or the Colts either against these Eagles, uh, then Sanders will will struggle to to get there uh, for your fantasy team. The Bucks returned from their German vacation. By the way, I was going to try to say the German word for vacation, but I don't think I can pronounce it. I think I'm it's really oh, you can. You I'm, no, I'm sure I think you can. I think it's Erlob. Uh, the Bucks returned from their German Erlob as narrow road favorites in Cleveland. Crane, what do the folks need to know about this game, beginning with the potential change in Tampa's backfield? Well, I mean, the change already happened because Rashad White started in Germany and he outsnapped Leonard Fournette before Leonard Fournette got a hit pointer and was out of the game. So, you know, I think we're maybe trending towards Fournette not playing. It seems like that's possible. So, uh, you know, that would obviously be pretty big news for White. But either way, I think White will probably play ahead. I also checked Greg Allman's 
feed today, and he he had tweeted this morning that he did think White was going to be the starter, kind of regardless of whether or not Fournette goes. Greg Allman, so. a very very plugged in Bucks beat reporter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Todd Bowles too who said it was today. I blurbed it earlier. Today. I blurbed it two minutes ago, in fact. That uh, <laughs> he he was like really emphasizing how much pain Leonard Fournette was in. He's like, yeah, he's still really banged up from it or whatever. And then he said they would ride the hot hand. To me, like when you say. You're not going to commit to one back, but one of them is in a lot of pain. That's kind of like you can see where the tea leaves are pointing you. For sure. And, uh, you know, the hot hand thing I think is important because, like, White actually has not been all that good this season. Neither is Fournette. You're not supposed to say that part on the show. The the Buccaneers rank 32nd in EPA per rush this season. They have not gotten the run game going. But uh, White was good against the Seahawks. He was RB6. Uh, in week 10 in rush yards over expected per attempt. He does get a Browns defense that is very poor against the run. They rank 26th in EPL out per rush, 25th in rushing success rate. I, I would expect, even if Fournette's out, the Jir Bernard can be activated. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn will probably play some. And my guess is they they remove him for some kind of obvious passing situations just for like pass blocking reasons because he's a rookie. But he is a capable receiving back, and I think he's going to lead the way on the ground. So, you know, I think high end RB two if if Fournette is out. Uh, the other thing I would I would highlight here for the Bucks is uh, the return of of Julio Jones. I think is actually really good news for this passing game. He's replacing Scotty Miller. This has already happened. He was back against Seahawks. Replaced Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller had had a twenty three percent target rate this season, which is like really high. Didn't happen. Um, Fake news. Yeah, that's tied with Chris Godwin for the team lead uh, allegedly. And, uh, you know, Jones Jones is seeing routes or seeing targets at a lower rate, partly because he's more of a deep threat. He has a 15.08 dot Miller's at 11.6. So, you know, he's kind of like stretching the defense out a little bit more, getting targeted less frequently because he's getting more kind of uh, deep targets. He's also seeing more double coverage. He's he's seen uh, double teams on 23 percent of his routes with Miller at just 14 percent. So it's like drawing more defensive attention going deeper downfield, actually getting targeted at a lower rate than Scotty Miller was. All of this, I think, is like really good for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, pulling defensive attention away and, and maybe even fewer targets. So I think they're both pretty interesting. Uh, on the Browns side, I would be sticking with Nick Chubb. Still leads the NFL in elusive rating even after getting completely shut down last week. He's top six in breakaway yards per game and rush yards over expected per attempt in NFL next-gen success rate. He's still looking like Nick Chubb, uh, you know, you're, you're still betting on him to have long runs and touchdowns in a split role, but, you know, same bet as it always is with him. Uh, one note on Amari Cooper. He had a spike week last week, uh, but it, that week contained zero targets over the middle of the field that traveled 10-plus yards downfield. Hayden Winks had some good research on Roto World a couple years ago talking about the value of over-the-middle targets and Cooper ranks just 17th percentile among wide receivers in his rate of those over-the-middle downfield targets. I think this maybe helps explain why he's kind of so inconsistent. You know, we've been talking about the home road splits and stuff. Maybe th- maybe that's it. But, you know, last week was he wasn't in, wasn't in Cleveland, still went off. Um, and I think my read on it is basically he gets, he gets a fair amount of defensive attention. He gets a fair amount of double coverage. But then he's also being asked to make like either underneath catches that aren't going to have a ton of yards after catch or kind of difficult sideline corner of the end zone grabs. He did that last week. He's a talented receiver, but still, I think, kind of a boom bust guy, even though he is at home this week. The Miami Dolphins return from by is nearly two touchdown home favorites against the pathetic 
Houston Texans, Kyle Dvorak. Kyle, what is the dope in Miami? Beyond, too, uh, the Texans starting a new quarterback in Kyle Allen. And it is the same Kyle Allen, that Kyle Allen from the days of the Carolina Panthers. Is Kyle Allen also the days from the Washington Commanders, right? He was. He's been uh, – He's actually Norv- started for 37 NFL teams. Which yeah. I haven't checked the math on that. <laughs> Every team that Norv Turner either coached or Scott Turner, his son, has coached for has started yeah. Kyle Allen at some point. And it's always done well. <laughs> and, the, and the thing is, typically he's – I think he's led them to 10 to 20 playoff wins at a minimum. No, it's going to be – Horrific. It's going to be as bad as it was with Davis Mills, in fact, because it was also not going well then. And I don't think this is going to improve things, but I I don't think it's going to make things worse, right? Because Davis Mills has been one of the least efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. So to me, even I I think even Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, Damian Pierce are becoming thinner and thinner plays. I believe it was the first half of last week, Houston's game. They had five yards as an offense. Five. You can count. And you could walk the amount of yards they had in a very short amount of time. I could walk <laughs> I a lot yards. 15 feet. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's so few yards. And they put more yards on the field in the second half, but it was mostly garbage time. And then, of course, Davis Mills stole the touchdown. Pierce still looks really strong as a runner, but there's just no path for upside for him when he's not performing particularly well as a pass catcher. He's out there for routes, but he doesn't do a ton with it. Nico Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks are now sort of splitting the top target role, neither one of them truly separating. So I kind of feel inclined to fade both of them. And then on the other side, it's the opposite of that scenario in which like play, play everyone. Of course you play Tyreek Hill, who's on pace to come just around the uh, receiving yards record. Uh, obviously he gets the extra game for it. And ironically, the only thing we're missing from him is touchdowns. He only has three or four touchdowns this year. Hasn't been used a ton in the red zone, but for a player who's dominating targets, I, I just, that has to be close to randomness. Cause even you could say teams focus in on him on the red zone, but do they forget about him at the 50 yard line. I'm not buying it. So I think he even has room to sort of grow as far as touchdowns are concerned. Lastly, Jeff Wilson, it seems almost clear that he's just straight up flipped Raheem Mostert, outcarried him last week. Actually, I think they played technically two weeks ago. Outcarried him and outtargeted him the last time they took the field. And uh, I'm not sure there's a strong reason for that to change coming out of the bye. So I think you can pretty comfortably fire up Jeff Wilson as a top 24 back just because of the offense he plays on. Also, he's a pretty good running back, despite what you might think, Pat, if we re- yeah. rewind the tape to week uh, eight or something. Never happened. No, it, it's happened many times. It's talking about a different Jeff Wilson, the one who's not good. Oh, okay. Uh, we jumped down your throat for that one. That's our bad. That's on us. <laughs> yeah, the Texans allowing 180 rushing yards per game and are two touchdown underdogs. Seems like maybe a good setup for the Miami Dolphins running backs. Seems like maybe a good setup for a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Release the Hounds. It's a Thanksgiving tradition like none other. The National Dog Show presented by Purina. Thousands of dogs compete for the title of Best in Show. Thanksgiving at noon Eastern on NBC and Peacock. The Arizona Cardinals come off a short week in Mexico as home underdogs of the Chargers, Patrick Rain. I feel bad for giving you a game with so many variables, but let's start with the biggest. What happens to the Cardinals' passing attack if Marquise Brown returns? And the other variables are Kyler Murray probably going to play, but he's going to be a game-time decision for third straight week. Rondell Moore is hurt. Zach Ertz just adjusting to life without him, so on and so forth. What happens if Marquise Brown actually comes back this week? I think for this week, it's probably good for, like, everybody – including DeAndre Hopkins, um, which, you know, maybe is counterintuitive, but AJ Green had a 78% route rate last week. Uh, The fact that, you know, if Brown comes back, then that should drop to basically nothing. I mean, he'll be just kind of rotating in a little bit, uh, which is good. 
Uh, and there's targets available in the offense with Rondell Moore uh, going to be out. So he Moore has a 20% target rate being replaced by Greg Dorch, who's at 16%. So there's kind of targets opening up in a sense. Uh, Zach Ertz, by the way, had an 18% target rate this season. Trey McBride has just a 6% target rate. So the tight end's not drawing any targets. So like the bigger need for Hopkins right now is someone who can draw some defensive attention away from him rather than like really being worried about someone stealing targets. I mean, he has a 0.80 Whopper, which leads the NFL. Whopper combines target share and air yard share. He's got the high, the biggest slice of the Cardinals offense of any receiver, um, you know, compared to their slice of their team's offense. He also has a league leading 26% first read target rate. This offense is designed to run through him. It is running through him. I think having Brown around to, you know, help keep the defense honest will be good for Hopkins. By the way, uh, Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch missed practice on Wednesday. So um, I don't know what they're going to do in the slot there. Even the Dortch. No, man, we need the Dortch pill. We need the Dortch pill. Kyle. AJ Green big slot was was the answer. Oh, yikes. Yeah, this is a kid's show, by the way. Families (laughs) do listen to the show. I mean, there's probably people driving around their Toyota Siennas. I think that's what our Toyota van is called. Who listen to the show and kids can hear it. I'll see myself out. And now they're all crying. Try not to say the words big slot and then AJ Green. The, back to the back. guy who you seem to know, do you drive a Toyota Sienna, Pat? I, I, my wife, I mean, I drive my wife's Toyota Sienna fairly frequently. And again, you're saying you me. don't drink Code Red. That's what I'm gathering. <laughs> no, I'm, I wish. I wish I drank Code Red. I would be. <laughs> well, hey, everybody, it's me, Patrick Dighty. Hey. Uh, oh, how are we doing? Yeah, yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you yeah, I do drink coffee. So code red is that that one extra code red. I mean, we all know what the secret ingredient is in code red. We can't say it on air. (laughs) (laughs) Starts with the C. I'm looking it up. It's the code in code red. Uh, It starts with the C. It ends with the K. That's all I'll say. Um, Kyle Kyler Murray's missed back to back games uh, with a hamstring injury. Supposedly a game time decision both weeks. Is he still a high end QB one if he actually plays this week? Yeah, I like you said. It looks like he'll play. We've he's been technically a game time decision, but we've gotten a heads up prior to both those that it was sort of a, a fake listing of him as questionable. This week, he said a few hours ago, again two minutes ago on the pod, he said he, he <laughs> you, you posted this on the website during the podcast <laughs> that he expects to play versus the Chargers. It's a good matchup where both teams Chargers actually look like maybe they can start scoring some points. Should be back and forth. We get Marquise Brown back. And in the two games he played with DeAndre Hopkins, totaled 500 yards and five passing touchdowns. Was also strong on the ground. Maybe we don't see the ground game as much because he's still probably not 100%. But I think adding Hopkins back to this team does change the dynamic of the offense. And then that will be doubled down on by maybe getting Marquise Brown back. So I definitely say you're not putting him back to the tier of, of really Allen, Mahomes. You could probably still include like Hertz and a banged up fields if he plays in there he's probably the second tier of quarterbacks that still puts him in the top seven at worst essentially so denny speaking of injuries the chargers thought they were getting back their top two receivers last week keenan allen actually did make it through the game unscathed which i think that's kind of banner worthy for the second tenants of sofi stadium mike williams denied he made it one catch for hurting his ankle again we don't know what his status is going to be I mean, our guess is probably that he's not going to play Josh Palmer, who seemed to be certified hashtag not good for a while, has now been looking much, much better the past few weeks. Even if Keenan Allen plays, if Mike Williams sits again, is Josh Palmer going to say, like, be a problem in the top 30? Yeah, well, I don't know what that means, but I I will say that (laughs) – 
we <laughs> produce top 30 number. This oh, Josh yeah. Palmer, this Josh Palmer is a problem, Jaws. Right. Yeah, hey, you sound you sound great like as Gruden. Uh yeah, and uh, Josh Palmer, yeah, definitely top 30 if Mike Williams is out. Now Mike Williams practiced on Wednesday, so I think uh I think Ooh. he probably will be suiting up this week if things uh unless he has some sort of setback. Uh but you know, I mean Palmer is still playable in some formats. He's 15th among receivers and expected fantasy points uh, per game since week eight um, with at least eight targets in each of his past four games. Of course he went off last week against chiefs. Uh, and, and, and here's, here's another, uh, you know, thing that makes Josh Palmer playable. Even if Mike Williams plays, That's what I was going to ask. So even if Mike Williams does play. Yeah. First so, say your spiel, but then would you play Josh Palmer over Mike Williams? Well, I'll, I'll, let me, let me give you this information and then I'll say uh, the, the, the Cardinals, are the league's most extreme pass funnel defense, and the Chargers really have no interest in establishing the run anyway. No. So I think I think we could see a lot of passing here from Herbert. So the volume will be up, route route volume, target volume will be a little bit inflated for for the Chargers. Uh, am I playing Palmer over Williams? I mean, no, I don't think so. Um, but it's I guess it's I guess it's kind of close. I mean, with Williams, like you know what you're getting. Like you're going to get a guy who could have a huge game and has a Pretty decent chance of missing three quarters of the game. Uh, any clo- Korean and East closing thoughts on Cardinals Chargers? Or are we good to put this one to bed? I don't. All right, good. I was actually kind of hoping you didn't, but every you seemed like uh, thought maybe you had something to say there. But uh, I'm I'm rattled today as a podcast host. The Jacksonville Jaguars come off by as home underdogs to the Baltimore Ravens. Craig, Dennis Carter, what do fantasy managers need to know about these two weird teams mm-hmm. beginning in the Ravens' backfield? Uh, well, first of all, Lamar Jackson missed practice on Wednesday. Uh, John Harbaugh said that Jackson is dealing with, quote, an issue. You will uh, never believe what I'm blurbing right now. I, I figured you might. Lamar Jackson has never not been sick, so maybe it's just that again. Harbaugh uh, said he's playing Sunday. Harbaugh said he's just banged yeah. up or whatever. I, I, I am. Yeah. He I'm has Rosiola. I'm encouraging the Ravens to get their franchise quarterback some vitamin C. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, to, you know, to this Ravens backfield, I mean, it, just just when when I thought, I, I won't say we, when I thought it was pretty clear cut that Kenyon Drake was going to be the primary ball carrier and even even get most of the pass catching work out of the backfield. He had 24 touches against the Saints in their game in week nine. They go to the bye. They come out of their bye. Justice Hill uh, really cuts into Drake's lead lead back role in week 11. Uh, Drake had uh, 11 expected fantasy points uh, to eight expected fantasy points for Hill in that game. Hill had seven carries to 10 carries for Drake. Drake was not good with those carries, except for he had one, I think, 29-yard rush in the fourth quarter um, that I, I don't want to even say saved his fantasy. That I mean, made him like the RB like 50 on the week. Uh, so, and, and Gus Edwards is practicing. He is practicing, uh, which, man, yeah, it's like, why even bother? I, and, like, and so this, I was getting so. on Tuesday stream, I was getting lots of like, do I pick up Gus Edwards and start him this week? No, I mean, if you if you can avoid that, please try to avoid that. I think Drake is still probably the the top option uh, as far as carries go in the Baltimore backfield. Um, but you know, Hill's not Justice Hill's not going anywhere. Gus Edwards, it's just it's ugly. It's ugly. I think it's you should try to avoid it if you can. But but Drake Drake would be the the preferred option there. Um, Any, anything on the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars? 
Yeah, I do, uh, real quick on Demarcus Robinson. He's led the team in wide receiver targets over the past three weeks. In each of the past three weeks, now gets a uh, Jacksonville defense allowing the second highest EPA per dropback since week seven. Um, yeah, and then over to the uh, the, the Jags, uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, I mentioned him in my waiver wire column. He was uh, as of Tuesday, he was still available in like 70 percent of leagues. I, you know, he's running a lot of routes. What can I say? You know, and and maybe one day he'll get a he'll he'll score a touchdown. We we never know. You never know. We do. Uh, know. The answer is no. Christian Kirk has another good matchup here. He's had a string of good slot receiver matchups. Of course, he's running most of his routes from the slot in that Jags offense. Uh, the Baltimore defense is allowing the third highest uh, fantasy points per game to opposing slot receivers. So, in what could be negative game script, I like Kirk a lot again. And one of this week's injury specials is the Chicago Bears at the New York Jets. We don't know Justin Fields' status as of Wednesday afternoon, except for he seems to be genuinely questionable. He could play as best as you can, Crane. Tell us what the scoop is in this game, beginning with the Jets change a quarterback. Yeah, the, the Jets change a quarterback uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Zach Wilson, since he's entered the league, only P.J. Walker has been worse in EPA per play. That scans, um, by the way. Like I, yeah. I was about to be like, wow. Then I was like, no, actually, that's not surprising at all. <laughs> no quarterback has been less accurate per completion percentage over expected than Zach Wilson since he's entered the league. Uh, and then, you know, to get benched for your off-the-field behavior with that level of on-field play, it's a pretty tough scene. For Zach Wilson, not sure he's gonna gonna work out there. Uh, Mike White, you know, he was not good last year, but I do think he could be okay here. Like he was, he wasn't terrible last year, and he's going against a Bears defense that ranks 31st in EPA allowed per dropback. I'm kind of been thinking about him as I'm writing him up for the walkthrough. Like, can Mike White be kind of what Andy Dalton is doing for the Saints? They're going to be a run-heavy team like the Saints. You're kind of looking for him to support. One wide receiver, same as we are with with Dalton. We one only care about first one round rookie wide receiver. First round rookie wide receiver from Ohio State. Can you do that? <laughs> can you throw a bunch of checkdowns to the running back? And can you maybe you know conk a daddy with a tutty? That, that's all we need here. That's all we need from Mike White. Come on, dear God, <laughs> kids are in the other room. Yeah, that's all like, we need. Every you know? every child in a Toyota nationwide is now crying. <laughs> <laughs> so. I think it's possible. I think we get the you know the Jawan Johnson style touchdown, and we get uh, uh, Garrett Wilson a little revival here. He had 100% route participation against the Patriots. Elijah Moore was at just 55%. I don't think Moore is going to be you know impinging on his targets at all. Uh, Conklin, by the way, 76% route rate last week. Uh, I think Wilson. I, I kind of like Wilson a decent amount here, and then I think Conklin and Carter are viable plays. On the Bears side of this, uh, Trevor Simeon ranks 29th in EPA per play over the last two seasons. I feel like that might not tank an entire offense normally, but if we get him here, he's going against a Jets defense that, that ranks sixth in EPA allowed per drop back. Uh, Fields is only 18th in EPA per drop back or EPA per play. So um, I'm not like, I mean, I, a hobbled fields is is very concerning to me so either in either way i don't think you're playing a bears receiver david montgomery i think is probably the only guy who's in play just like it's a pure volume option 80 percent of snaps last week 75 percent route participation Uh, i think 
if you get Simeon, maybe he gets in play as a, as a check down guy. Fields is in. You're just hoping for a touchdown. Uh, pure kind of just volume-based RB2 type of dude. Not very exciting. You know, Fields, you almost wish that he was playing through like an ankle injury or like a minor hamstring injury. Like in some ways, like the shoulder is more concerning for the running quarterback than even a leg injury would be because he's just not going to want to take those hits. And he was in like visible, visible pain. Yeah, he said on Wednesday, had that been their game Wednesday today, had it been their game today, he wouldn't be able to play. He was saying like when he was handing it off, he could feel it in his shoulder. He could Mm -hmm. feel it on his follow through when he was throwing. Like, I mean, maybe it's just like me. Like, I like him. I hope he doesn't further the injury, but I'd almost be surprised if he plays this week. And if he does, it would be I'd be shocked if it wasn't in a very different capacity than we've seen him. It is the upside for him playing like they're three and eight. Like, get a better pick. Like, you've seen enough from Fields. You've seen enough. You're not drafting a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. So it would be yes. it's malpractice if he plays. I think they probably won't play him. But if they do, it's because he's a warrior. They have a week fourteen bye. Sit him through the bye. Oh, do they really be- have a week fourteen bye? Wow. Yeah, like two yeah. teams on week fourteen bye or something. It's strange. Uh, oh, weird. Yeah, but like the way he sounded in practice, I would bet against him playing right. and the way that like a team should operate, you can't imagine a world in, the, in which they should, like Karen is saying, it'd be so terrible to play him. So I don't think we see him actually. Well, the Bears just asked me to hold their beer, which I will <laughs> then drink when we return right after this. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in the World Cup, college football, and the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, there were two opportunities to win $100,000 this week by playing Sunday Night 7. Your first chance is guessing the outcome between the Patriots and Vikings on Thanksgiving night, followed by another surrounding the Packers and Eagles in Philadelphia on Sunday evening. And do not forget, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Fighting for respect, the 7-3 Tennessee Titans host the Cincinnati Bengals as narrow home underdogs. Kyle, we're excited about Traylon Burks in Tennessee, but we're going to begin with the Bengals receiver core, where Jamar Chase appears to be coming back. Does he immediately go back into the top five? He was dominating before he injured his hip. Or do we have a kind of an ease-in week with Jamar Chase? 
I mean, I think even if Chase plays like a lesser snap role, you're almost certainly getting him out there for plays in which he is either the first read or at least their passing plays. Like you just wouldn't put him out there whenever you run strategically. And more importantly, like you said, he was really hitting his stride. Like he had like a so-so start to the year for our lofty expectations of him. He was hitting a stride right before going down with the injury. He had a 38% air yard share, 29% target share and led the team in red zone targets in the final three games before going down. So I have him at six. Technically, I don't have him top five, but it's splitting hairs between elite receivers, and I have him ranked as if he's an elite receiver. I would have no hesitation starting him. I'm glad you have him that high. I have him at five, and I've been kind of like doubting that and like questioning that, but they kind of they gave him time to get healthy. He's, his return is with within line with what his timeline was. Yeah. It's such a good matchup. I mean, the Titans just bleed passing game production. I think the third most uh, passing yards allowed in the entire league. And T Higgins is good. Like when T when Jamar Chase was out, I mean, I think we did, we saw the difference. I mean, T had a one really good game and some other games where he played well, but he's just not going to be Jamar Chase uh, on anything resembling a weekly basis. And T Higgins probably does benefit uh, from a lot of that attention. The Jamar Chase command. I, th- I, I'm kinda, I thought we kind of could put to bed that narrative. Not that people ever said T Higgins was better than Jamar Chase, but they're not interchangeable. It was implied. (laughs) There was some some strong implication at one point. There was a narrative that they were kind of like interchangeable as numbers one and two receivers. Some irresponsible implications. It was an irresponsible implication. And Crane, it would be irresponsible for me to give this next question to any other human being but yourself. What is our level of Traylon Burks excitement heading into week 12? Come on, buddy. Traylon you, Burns. Well, no, I, I think that was a Freudian slip of, uh, oh, Traylon Burns, someone for 50-some-odd yards to close oh, the game. Oh, 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 Kyle. I'm oh, taking yeah. this Mid, positive, but, you know. Mid blurb coming off the top row. Yeah, Kyle, as he's blurbing, he's just quipping at the same time. <laughs> I, I'm frankly struggling to speak the English language today. <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, obviously, I'm very excited. 2.08 yards per route run this season. Only three rookie wide receivers have over two yards per route run. Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. Christian Watson. Nice, nice trio to be a part of these days. He only ran a route on 66% of dropbacks against dropbacks against the Packers. Uh, so, I mean, that was kind of like a big game for him, but he wasn't even out there the full amount. But this is the usage profile that we're looking for from rookie wide receivers. Uh, although we still need his usage to ramp up and his route participation to ramp up, we want him to be highly efficient on the routes he is getting. Because we know that generally rookies do see more playing time over the course of the year. And with Burks, who had a turf toe injury, I think there's there's all the more reason to expect that that will be the case. This week, maybe it won't be time for him to be at you know an 80% plus route participation. I, sometimes this happens a little slower than we would like, uh, especially than I would like. So I would say he's kind of still more of like a flex option right now. Um, but it's all kind of pointing in the right direction for him to be someone you're really excited to play by the end of the year. And the, the Titans, by the way, were over their expected pass rate last week. Is that, is that right, Crane? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Against, I think two, uh, 2% over um, wow. when I checked on Monday. This changes and, everything. Yeah. I mean, that, Honestly, that, that's shocking. If, if, if that signals <laughs> that, if that, you know, if that signals some sort of, you know, uh, option to pass, you know, I mean, you're not going to get away from Derrick Henry completely, but a little bit of a lean to the pass could be big for Burks. Percent, yeah. Then he nailed it, um, and they were five percent over expected on first down. 
which is and for the Titans, it's like fifty-five percent over expected. Man, like you have to get a little premium, yeah. especially against the Packers team, where you the way to beat them is on the ground. I mean, not that they're like stay right. away through the air, but they're a team that you attack with the. Run but honestly, the you just beat the Packers by being up ten. Then they're done. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. Aaron Rodgers just fold. He just opens up Twitter, starts posting if he's down 10. <laughs> Denny and Joe Mixon remains in the concussion protocol. We do not know his week 12 status. He could play. He might not play. The question is how high for Samaji's Pirine. Samaji Pirine, if Joe Mixon does not play yeah. this week. Yeah, uh, well, um, you know, PPR-wise, I think you're talking about an RB2. I know that's probably safe, I guess, because – Everybody's an RB2. Um, yeah, was, outside I mean, of the top 12. I'm an RB2. I mean, yeah. Latavius so, Murray's an RB2. I mean, but I mean, he's not, you know, we know what Samaj, Samaj P. Ryan is, and he's, he's not like a great rusher. He's not efficient. He does get involved in the passing game. The coaches love him. He should be out there a ton, like as much as, as much as he can, really, uh, if Mixon is out. Uh, should, he should run like all the pass routes and Mixon, I'm sorry, uh, Burrow. Since they sort of shifted, the, you know, massively toward the pass and had a lot of shotgun snaps for Burrow, I think starting like week four or five, uh, has uh, has checked down a lot, has thrown uh, short a lot. Now I know Mixon's target share ballooned with Chase out, uh, which is something actually actually Crane pointed that out in his first walkthrough when when Chase was out, and uh, I and, and I thank you, for my DFS teams, thank you for that uh, with Mixon. Um, but you know, Chase coming back, I think could ding per, uh, P Ryan's pass catching upside a little bit, not upside, but just p- his potential. Um, but if you if you get him off the waiver wire, you you got to start him as like as a flex, definitely at, at worst as a flex this week. Uh, so- I'll note real quick, Chris Evans uh, questionable this week passing down back. So I don't know, like if he would normally, I don't think that would matter at all, but maybe he mixes in if Mixon's yeah. out. Do you guys remember when we used to talk about Chris Evans? Yeah, I never, I, heard, I, I never people talked about who, There were people who did. Uh, you haven't been to a cocktail party with me recently. Because <laughs> I haven't won is... a bunch of uh, best ball teams because of uh, you know, Rotor World's great Josh Norris was, was a big fan of Chris Evans in the, in the preseason. And hopefully, Hopefully it works out. Uh, yeah. Still, still a couple weeks. <laughs> still a couple weeks to go there for the, <laughs> those Chris, those precious Chris Evans shares to pay off. Kyle Dvorak, the Seahawks are surprisingly modest home favorites against the Raiders. Why is that? Well, you see, the Raiders are bad. They, the thing is, they barely snuck a win over what I think might be the worst team in the NFL, the Broncos. Though the Texans would love to show up to that fight and try and beat them at being the worst. Overall, they have a terrible defense. They rank 32nd in EPA per dropback, and that should bode well for a good matchup for Seattle. I think you're firing up the receivers, but not technically a receiver. Seeing a lot of receiving work. The last time we saw them, they were on by last week, so it was week 10. Ken Walker, 73% of Geno Smith's dropbacks he ran a route on. He earned a 24% target share. He was truly he, – he moved from being – a two-down elite runner, maybe getting some passing work, to he completely phased out the rest of their backups. And that role on an offense that has been surprising, to say the least, in a matchup that is, I think, I mean, I think the you beat the Raiders by passing on them, but you just beat the Raiders. It's not a particularly daunting defense either way. And if you're I would simply the ball, beat the Raiders. Yeah, you just you, you most beat teams, the Raiders by playing the Raiders. Yeah, you show up. You just <laughs> show up, put on a jersey. And, uh, you know, you kind of take care of business. So I think Ken Walker has like top five potential this week. Yeah. He does. Uh, 
other side of the ball, it's pretty easy. I think Matt Collins is like the only straggler out there that's like, do I start or sit him? He's fine. But Devontae Adams, elite wide receiver one usage, unsurprising with the team missing uh, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. And then Josh Jacobs completely shut out the rest of the backfield and even Derek Carr didn't get a rush attempt. He's getting all of the work on the ground, like literally 100% of the work on the ground. Also has involvement in the passing game. So although I expect him to be on the losing side of this one, I still think you're perfectly fine treating him as like a top eight running back. You could even sell me on it being higher, honestly. Per uh, Sam Hoppins uh, player stat explorer tool or something, uh, the Josh Jacobs has 100% of the Raiders attempts within the 10-yard line this season. 100%. Pretty 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 good. You know, a really weird, pointless stat I noticed this week is that uh, I don't know if I've ever seen this before, even from like Matt Ryan or Tom Brady. Derek Carr does not have a rush attempt in four weeks. What? Wow. <laughs> like, uh, well, the thing is, for a while, plenty of seasons, Matt Ryan and most seasons, Tom Brady, they got to do the thing at the end of the game you where you get a kneel. rush attempt for negative one yards. <laughs> yeah, that's and, uh, true. It's Those true. kneels are really hurting his rushing. Uh, no kneeling whatsoever. Yeah. I, three straight yeah. games out of rushing. I actually don't know if I've ever seen that. Um, I, am I cra- I feel like what, the Seahawks should be bigger favorites than three and a half points, man. Like, that yeah, feels like that? it to me, too. Yeah. What is that? Is that They're wrong? way better. I, do I have that written down wrong? I, I, I think disrespect, the, I think. The one thing you could say about the Raiders is they, uh, although obviously their record is bad, their defense is bad, they have a perfectly fine, competent offense, and a lot of their games that go down as losses on their record are complete toss-ups. Ones that they, they blew. They had a good winning position and then blew it. But once you get to being within one score within minutes left of the game, they could be as good as five wins or they could be a no-win team. So their record is like very high variance, which is probably why they're getting a little bit of credit here. Man, yeah, I'm going to be sad when the Raiders cover, but hopefully they still lose. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, I don't root for teams at all. Uh, In a game only its mother could love, Kyle, the Steelers and Colts are catching a total under 40 in Indianapolis. Kyle, you just so eloquently gave us the breakdown of another bad game. Give us the breakdown of this bad game. I feel like calling both of these bad games is disrespectful to the game <laughs> we just talked about. That's true. I, this game looks like a bad game. <laughs> the Colts in their two games under Saturday, uh, under Jeff Saturday, a minus 6% pass rate over expected. And the Steelers, who at times looked like they were willing to let Kenny Pickett air it out, I guess have seen enough of Kenny Pickett to go minus 2%, which isn't crazy, but it is negative, obviously. Pass rate over expected the past two weeks. In those games, Najee Harris has gotten 20 carries both times, hasn't gotten over 100 yards, hasn't scored, but he actually has been perfectly efficient. He's averaging, I think, like 4.8 something yards per carry in those past two games. So he's looking better. I, I wouldn't say he's looking elite, and certainly playing in the confines of this very poor offense isn't going to give him a ton of red zone opportunities. But I somehow, I guess, feel better about him now than I have at previous points. Not saying a ton by that. And then the Steelers, we've talked about every single week that, oh, uh, Deontay Johnson's, his fantasy numbers have to improve because his yards per target has been so low, like historically, like one of the, he's on pace to have one of the worst seasons by yards per target. And that's not sticky, right? There are reasons to explain why it's low. But I don't think those reasons account for why it is one of the worst we've seen. Uh, Well, instead of going the other way and the stats reaching back and the efficiency correcting, his volume has just gone down. He has 10 targets in the past few games. Pat Fryermuth is turning out to be this team's like strong over the middle of the field option. A 29% target share, 32% air yard share in the past two weeks. 
you can finally do it. You can bench Deontay. Please. We've been looking. Please. You should have done it a long time ago, but I give you permission if you want to do it. Please. Thank you so much. Five, five targets in back-to-back games for Deontay. It's, it's not happening on five targets, folks. No. And he's just – he's just – he's Jeff Wilson. He's bad. He's just bad. Um, <laughs> so not too soon. <laughs> wow, getting some groans. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he's bad is the right takeaway here, but I think we have the wrong he maybe. He might be Kenny. Oh no! Yeah, oh, he is bad. He, Johnson Johnson tied with Tyree Kill this season for fourth in ESPN's open score this year. He is, according to the numbers, getting open. Uh, by the way, AJ Brown still leads because he's AJ Brown, uh, and he wins weeks. But uh, <laughs> Darius Slayton, Darius Slayton, number two this year. Pat, I feel like you and I were on the Darius Slayton. Why? Why are they burying this guy? I know and, we uh, were. I'm I'm happy to see him reemerge. He is well, actually good. Yeah, whoever made that metric does not watch the games. That's that's <laughs> no, all. They I do have. not <laughs> watch. And Kenny Pickett, if you're out there, you need. Please stop reading Zach Wilson's autobiography. I mean, I know there's some drama in there, and like it's it's a page turner. It is a salacious autobiography. Yeah, chapter seven. That's a banger. Yeah, I've read it. It's it's a page turner, but you need to stop reading it. Uh, Only for us civilians in the NFL media, a supposedly emerging NFC Death Star, the San Francisco 49ers are getting nearly ten points at home against the New Orleans Saints. Denny Carter. Give us the details. I'm I'm regretting. I'm starting to dabble in 49ers truthing where I just could not deal with teams crowning them after their Monday night game. Or, yeah, uh, congratulations, you killed Colt McCoy's team. Uh, right. After you had just killed the Chargers who didn't have any single receivers. And that's right. Oh, yeah, lost the Falcons a month ago. But did every you 40- – Sorry, go ahead. I would say every four years, oh, I don't know if you heard of this little guy named Nick Bosa who didn't play against the Falcons, as if then you're supposed to automatically lose to the Falcons. Uh, anyways, though, give us the deets on this game, Denny. I mean, they beat Colt McCoy, who, per the uh, Monday Night Broadcast, loves football. He does. No, Boy, true. the Monday Night Broadcast, I got to say, a little concerning for Kyler McCoy or <laughs> Kyler Murray when even Larry Fitzgerald is just like gleefully burying him. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, he might need to do some PR behind the scenes in that Arizona Cardinals franchise. They said he should install the offense as like kind of a hint that he like couldn't, that he couldn't possibly do that. So, yeah. But that he, did, he did actually do like he was the offensive coordinator in a preseason game, I believe. And, and he engineered two touchdown drives. They I did believe. quite well. I actually think that that's his calling. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray's calling. Let Cliff play quarterback again. Cliff broke records at Texas Tech. Poor I don't know if you heard him, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, so <laughs> some of those records belong to Cliff before they belong he, to Batty. He was Mahomes before Mahomes. It's true. It's analytics. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the 49ers, yeah. they're playing the New yeah. Orleans Saints. So they're, they are establishing the hell out of the run. The Niners have the eighth lowest pass rate over expected since week eight. Uh, CMC and Elijah Mitchell have combined for 49 carries over the team's past uh, two games. Yeah, the, the Saints are, I think, primed for the Niners to just r- run all over them. Uh, they allow the seventh highest rushing success rate since week eight. Just te- teams have just found a lot of success against them. I'm not talking about the Rams last week. The Rams never have success. Although, Ooh. although, wait a sec. Now, Cam Akers actually did <laughs> probably had like a career game for with with 40 yards, or whatever he had against them. I mean, come on, man. Maybe maybe we can extrapolate that. Yeah, thankfully um, my son's in the third row of the CNS, so he didn't hear that. Yeah, uh, well, thank goodness for that. Uh, Dennis Allen, uh, head coach of the Saints, said on Monday. 
press it was Sunday night that uh, they are underutilizing Taysom Hill, and uh, which is which is something to say. That is, it's one thing to say. Uh, I uh, I don't think that they will be they will have the luxury of doing the Taysom Hill game uh, when they're trailing. And, and actually, Nick Underhill, longtime beat writer for the Saints, said the same thing. Like you you're going to see this when the Saints are playing uh, from ahead. It's not going to happen this week against the Niners, I don't think. So uh, if, if you have Taysom on, on your roster and you're saying, oh, well, he had nine carries last week and he was rotating snaps at one point with Andy Dalton, I don't, I don't think that you can bank on that in, in this sort of game environment. So just, just you know, relax on, on Taysom a little bit. Uh, as for Alvin Kamara, hasn't seen like a ton of targets lately. But, I mean, the guy's third in expected running back receiving points on the year. Like, you know, behind Eckler and, and McCaffrey – like, like, what do we want? Like, I find myself complaining about him, but like, he's, you know, he's getting as, as much opportunity as anyone except for the, the two guys who get all the opportunity through the air. Uh, so you're still, you're still starting him. I, I, I do think that this sets up better for him uh, in, you know, potential trailing uh, game scripts. Taysom Hill can never fail. He can only be failed. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that sounds right. Yeah, that's where we're at. Taysom Hill. If you want to hear some Debo Samuel Brandon A conversation, by the way, myself, Kyle, and Lawrence Jackson talked about on Tuesday's podcast where Debo still seems to be the receiver who should be being ranked ahead of Brandon Ayuk. We'll admit it. Um, check that out if you have not already. Coming apart at the seams, the Rams arrive in Kansas City as more than two touchdown underdogs, Danny Carter. There's a lot going on here, but let us start in the Rams' backfield where you kind of gave the folks a sneak preview in our last game. Just what in the world is going on post-Daryl Henderson's release in the Rams' backfield? Well, I mean, it it looks like uh, Kyron Williams, who ran most of the routes last week, um, you know, saw some targets, things of that nature. It looks like he's going to, you know, (laughs) probably probably take on uh, take on that role in the Rams' backfield while. Cam Akers continues to run straight into the offensive line as the early down back. Uh, I, I really just don't know. His name if, is Cam Akers. If there's anything to to, to see here, uh, even after Henderson's release, I guess I guess um, I should say not Henderson. Kyron Williams interests me more than Cam Akers because he looks to be the pass catching back, and we all know that you know targets and receptions are worth a lot more than rushing attempts. I'm still not interested in Cam Akers, um, and so I, I guess I guess if you have Kyron Williams, you can consider him as as a as a deeper play. But hey, man, Bryce Perkins is probably going to be under center this week with Matthew Stafford uh, suffering from a concussion, and they called up uh, the legendary Case Cookus this week from the practice squad. I'm I'm so happy I got to talk about Case Cookus on this pod, uh, and and you know that's I think that's a strong signal that. Stafford will not start. I think they're over the Walford thing. I think they're not going to do that anymore. Uh, I do want to say that I have I have some interest in Bryce Perkins as a as a rushing threat uh, for the Rams. Yikes! Sounds... He's good. He's good. He's good at running, and and he's not terrible at passing either. Ooh, really? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it could be fun. Could be fun for fantasy. You know who's down bad, by the way, is Fox is promoting this game. It's the last time these two teams oh, met. They scored dude. over 100 points in the Coliseum of Los Angeles. Five years and, ago, right? Yeah, it's been, it was 2018. It was yeah. three elbows ago for Matthew Stafford. <laughs> oh, three. No. That, that's, that's a funny thing. They, they, should, they should do that for every game. Just find the last good game that teams played against each other. 
you know, the between the Eagles and Packers, Brett Favre squared off against Donovan McNabb in 2001. <laughs> uh, man, so I, Super Bowl champions. I, I don't think I've ever seen defending Super Bowl champions be 14 and a half point underdogs. Uh, yeah, nice. it's, it's, it's rough, something. Uh, they need to blow it up for sure. They do. So, Crane, Denny laid out that we don't really know what's even going on with the Rams quarterback. We, frankly, have kind of no idea with the Rams quarterbacks. But Bryce Perkins probably is the most likely guess over John Walford, who yeah, conveniently is hurt, uh, <laughs> supposedly. Uh, but what is going on in the Rams receiver core as best as we can say? I mean, it's it's rough, man. Uh, Allen Robinson got in the end zone last week, but he had a you-might-be-washed 15% target rate. Not great. Tyler Higby, 89% route rate against the Saints, uh, 25% target rate against the Saints. It's pretty strong numbers for a tight end. I, I continue to feel like he's ahead of Robinson in the target pecking order. I think he's the only play on the Rams side of this. Um I get, I don't mind the Kyron Williams idea, but but yeah, th- as a receiver, I think only Higby's really in play here. Man, wow, that is grim. You really did, man. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to play. I wouldn't voluntarily play Allen Robinson. Um, maybe we get some weird backup quarterback mojo going with Ben Skaronic, but that's like a that's like burning incense and like praying to air that he. Something happens there. I, Not really. I, I can't think of anything else except for Bryce Perkins, Van Jefferson stack. That's the only thing. Higby, I'm, man. What about how could how could your brain even think of wait, that? You're, so you're you're genuinely excited to play Van Jefferson. We we did think no, you were doing no. a bit for a while. Oh, okay. How does yeah, your brain even come up? You with actually that? got worried. No, no not Van <laughs> Jefferson. Need an intervention. But yeah, Perkins, two 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 at well. Perkins could listen. Perkins could rush a dozen times. Two two at well. By the way, average sixty two yards per route. Right, and no one's talking about him. No Why not? About it. Huh? And Nathan Yankee was the one who pointed out that's that one route run, one kill, one sixty-two yard touchdown. That's right. <laughs> Kyle, what is going on in the Chiefs receiver core? We've got injury variables there too. Juju Smith-Schuster hopefully coming out of the concussion protocol. Kadarius Tony and his various hamstrings are all injured. What's going on? Yeah, the man Tony. Tony season was fun, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the quickest times I've ever lost. I believe Nick Minzio tweeted, it wasn't fun while it lasted. <laughs> yeah, That's a good one. I mean, I, I, I said that was a near frame perfect log off from me. I opened the laptop, you know, watching the game, sweating a little bit at DFS instantly. It just up down. The, the hinge is almost broke. It was so fast. <laughs> I think we'll get Juju back this week. I mean, I, you know, we talked about it last week. He really did get just helmet to helmet rocked, but it seems like it's going to progress through standard percussion protocol could play this week. I expect him to hopefully send Justin Watson back to the bench. They're also like you said, without Michael Hardman. So even that feels optimistic and hilariously, I like, I was so excited for Sky Moore and everything essentially has worked out in his favor in that Nicole out Juju misses time. Kadarius Tony, who that worked against him, misses time. He runs a ton fewer routes than Justin Watson, who led the team in routes with Kadarius Tony going down. There's no guarantee that Tony would have run more routes anyways. Obviously, the usual culprits do. But then even Noah Gray, the second tight end, gets more routes. I think it was two more routes than Sky. So, uh, like, you know, I, I don't even know. I don't know what their future plans are with him, but it feels like his future is to be the next Justin Watson when he gets, you know, when Justin Watson is eventually off the roster. If Juju's back, you play him. MVS has shown a complete inability to draw targets. He's one of the least effective players in targets per route run, and he's not great in yards per route run either. So he's bad. Yeah, he's just like 
Mahomes has a cannon for an arm and has this speedy outside receiver and is not targeting him, it's because he's not getting open. That's the answer. So you can play Juju if he comes back. I, I can't stomach playing Justin Watson, even if he runs every route. Can't do it. What about can Sky I, Moore? Can I no, defend Sky no. Moore a little I just, bit? I just said why you wouldn't play Sky Moore. What do you mean You're why You're not Sky playing Moore? Sky Moore. I'm not going to tell Sky Moore as this week, but I just want to defend him a little bit because uh, he drew six targets on 16 routes. That's a 38% target rate. 3.94 yards per hour run. He's been okay this season from a long-term perspective. I'm saying let's not bury the guy. He might he might be okay, but I do agree. I mean, the timeline is uh, is lengthy for when you'd actually put him in your lineup. It won't Can be this week. I, I may have been zoned out when you explained. Uh, I could tell by me burying Sky Moore and me saying, <laughs> what about Sky Moore? I, I'm, I'm no Sky Moore truther. In fact, I, I still say he's a Zoomer psyop, but he, has a, he was targeted on 35% of his yeah. routes last week. Yeah, I think Denny was zoned out. I was going to say gave that exact stat. So, uh, please yeah. God, tell me Denny or Pat, you were writing blurbs because I have so many blurbs. Listen, right man, now. we're we're Kyle's, both. Kyle's coming in for all our best jokes. We're both over the age of thirty-five. Really <laughs> it's a long time for Denny and I to sit here and not have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I was, we just we got a comment in the in the in the YouTube stream that's like forty-five words long, and I was reading it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, I, was, I, I go private chat only on the YouTube stream. Sorry, guys. I've never, <laughs> ever checked the comments. It's very distracting. I was reading a uh, injury update, in fact, that Kyle's probably blurbing right now, that Cliff Kingsbury said Marquise Brown is still day-to-day. Kingsbury hopes to get something out of Brown on Sunday, but added Brown may still be limited if he plays, a.k.a. he will not be playing. I should note uh, that maybe it's, we've already been fastest, but we uh, we talked to Earl Henderson getting cut and everything. Signed by the Jaguars. Ooh, breaking news. Wow. A lot of breaking yeah. news. Something. Kyle's getting it up on the site right now as we speak. And Kyle, guess what? You're out of game. So you can really focus in on those blurbs now. Uh, we'll be there to help you in just a minute. Real quick, Denny, Chiefs backfield, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, high ankle sprain, Pacheco yeah. season, all systems go, right? 14 and a half point home favorites. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, CH, yeah, he was put on IR out for at least four weeks. Just looking at their usage from week 11, um, Jarek McKinnon actually saw more snaps, 52% of the snaps against the Chargers. Pacheco played on 40% of the snaps. Of course, Pacheco outcarried McKinnon 15 to 6. Um, McKinnon only saw the one target. I think he actually fumbled too, so that was not great. But I, 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 I don't know. I don't. I think I'm still interested more in McKinnon as a, a better PPR option. Then Pacheco, um, unless what they did now, who's last the third week, back this week, the third back, I should mention. Yeah, oh I should mention uh, they're going to be yeah, forced at long last to activate one Ronald Jones. Let's and, go. And baby, he's going to get two carries. And, if <laughs> and they're going to go for two yards because the front defense is pretty good. Two and maybe three yards. And that's about it. Uh, <laughs> but, but what I should say, at, you know, CEH getting injured. You know, in a deep league, you could do way worse than just scooping up Ronald Jones and stashing him in case something happens to Pacheco, because then they literally would be forced to go to Ronald Jones and Crane would be happy. I think they have Wayne Gallman or someone stashed on the practice squad. Yeah, you guys do. just wait until you know the Pacheco injury happens. It's Ronald Jones is in bros. Get your Mountain Dew. Get your Mountain Dew. <laughs> Wayne Gallman takes the first snap. Come on, Kyle. I, you're right, but stop. <laughs> I'm I know. I'm let, let us have this. Uh, I'm assuming, yeah. by the way, they still have Niall Davis on the team. 
no, I love Nile oh, Davis. Goodness. He wow. was like, when you're first getting into Dynasty and you don't know anything about anything and you just see that Nile Davis is fast, it's the greatest feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was fast. the uh, generation one of the Christine Michael. He was. He was Kristen Michael Strong before that was a thing. The worst game of the week. We actually didn't give it to Kyle, even though it's, you might have thought Kyle had the two worst games of the week. It actually belongs to Denny Carter. It might be the worst game of the year. Yeah. The Denver Broncos visiting the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, North Carolina. Denny, uh, why? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just – this is a great way to go into Thanksgiving, by the way, like the most depressing possible game. Sam Darnold is back, folks. Just plug him in. No, uh, I mean <laughs> – it, it, but it literally can't be. It cannot be worse than Baker Mayfield. I, w- I will say that with certainty that it can't be worse than than what Mayfield has done there. Cut to Sam Darnold. <laughs> Challenge yeah. accepted. Beers are held and then chugged and then also he accidentally gets <laughs> we need in a his point. Eye. We need a point meme from this yeah. podcast of I was worse. <laughs> he he tries to hold your beer and he just gets it in his eye and can't see for two quarters and throws. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and say something even more depressing than Sam Darnold starting and say that Terrace Marshall at this point might be a better fantasy option than DJ Moore. Uh, over, the past, over the past four weeks, Terrace Marshall has four fewer expected fantasy points than DJ Moore, and he was the top uh, target getter last week against Baltimore. So, man, oh, man, it's, it is it's bleak, bleak as hell for our guy DJ Moore. Uh, on the other side of things, whew, I mean – that you're you're starting Latavius because Melvin Gordon's gone. Chase Edmonds is is out with an ankle. Uh, you have uh, Marlon Mack who apparently plays for the Broncos. He played, for, <laughs> played for 31 NFL teams. He only has one more to go. He's and not then played for the Patriots. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, so I think that Marlon Mack, at least from what I'm seeing right now, is going to be the main carry and target competition for Latavius. So I mean, Latavius, you know, 20 plus touches possibly in this game. Uh, Melvin Gordon was splitting goal line work with him. So with him at, with Melvin Gordon out of the picture, Latavius gets that goal line work. So I think you can be pretty excited about starting Latavius, but that's it. No more excitement in this game. No, no, this is just bleak, 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 bleak. And, Unbelievable! This, both these seasons are still going on. That was supposed to be the last game of the show, but it turns out we still have the Falcons and Commanders because <laughs> you guys saved the Commanders for last. The squaring off in this week's fake good teams bowl, Patrick Crane. Tell the folks what they need to know about two teams that think they're good but actually yeah. aren't. Man, I was I was ready to do this game, and then after the – we really should have ended on that Panthers game. I know. Uh, well, it was supposed to be the end, then I had to rejigger the, uh, the lineup after – we realized Kyle needed to be blurbing during the podcast. Yeah. All right, I'll do, I'll do my best here. Uh, targets, they're going to condense to Drake London with Kyle Pitts out. Um, but I do not think this is the game to chase that in a big way. I mean, certainly, maybe you don't have a better option than London. I get it. But this could be a brutal outing for the Falcons. The Commanders are third in EPA allowed per rush. They're fourth in rushing success rate. They're very strong against the run, but they're also pretty strong against the pass. This is kind of quietly, I think, a pretty darn good defense. Ninth in EPL out per drop back, fourth in drop back success rate. So you might not be getting any volume or efficiency from this offense. The Falcons have one gear. The Falcons have never, shown, even when like getting completely blown out, they've never shown any other strategy than just run, 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 run. So against this good run defense, I think they're just going to be kind of slamming into brick walls. The counterpunch passing game is not going to be working too well. 
uh, one less guy for defenses to be worried about. So, yeah, it's just it's not much to get excited about on the Falcons side. One thing that's positive is that Caleb Huntley was phased out last week. Tyler Algier, Cordell Patterson formed a two-man committee. Um, neither of these guys is doing anything in the passing game, even Patterson, which is you know kind of disappointing, but makes both very touchdown dependent and touchdown dependent again on a team that I do not think is going to be scoring many points. Uh, on the commander side, the Falcons have been really bad against the pass this season. They're 28th in EPA allowed per dropback, 30th in dropback success rate. They're bad in covers. They're bad at getting to the passer. There's really nothing they do well. So this is a good spot for Terry McLaurin. He leads the commanders with a 1.96 yards per outrun, which is a pretty strong mark, especially when you consider his quarterback play this year. I think he could really be driving the offense forward in this matchup, showing a good connection with Heineke so far. Um, so there's there's some positive in this game. And then Antonio Gibson, he had a 68% snap share last week. I wouldn't like bank on that to continue. Wouldn't surprise me if he was down into like the high 40s and Brian Robinson kind of took back over. Every time I think I have a feel for this, they, they flip it on me. But I will say, I don't think you even need Gibson to lead the backfield in attempts here to be the better play. He has a, a 1.72 yards per out run. That's an elite mark for a running back. He could still be a part of this passing game in a big way. And this is actually a week where you care about that for the commanders because the matchup is so strong. So if Gibson gets you know enough receiving volume, Brian Robinson can do his Brian Robinson thing, and we don't even care. Sounds like what you were trying to say earlier, talking about the commanders' defense, is that we got to give Jack Del Rio credit, right? I'm, I'm sick of giving these commanders' coaches credit because I often <laughs> defend their uh, – their tactical play calling because they, they tend to be more run heavy overall than they are on first down, which I generally think is a pretty smart way to do things. But it's just I'm sick. I'm sick of defending them. Win, win some games or something so I don't have to defend you. It, and I will say one you, thing. You never you have got, to give Jack Del Rio credit. I mean, you got I was going to say you got to hand it to Jack Del Rio. And that's true. You do have to hand it to him. That's unfortunate. I, I, and really I, listen, I would be remiss uh, and I'm never remiss if I were to not remind folks that the kicker streamer of the week is Joey Sly for Washington. Get him in your line. Okay. We tried to censor that on the Monday show. <laughs> failed. The, the, um, the, failed. Spring, the Supreme Court stepped in once again. Thank you. They did. Samuel Alito he has a favorite sport, fantasy man. analyst, and it's Denny Carter. And <laughs> get your back every single time. So oh, the show's over, though. We, we, had a, we had a good round. We had some mishaps today. We had some hijinks. We had some blurbs literally posted – um, but right I now, think we, I think we Kyle's got doing the, one for sure. Yeah, I, right yes, I yeah. think we got the information out there, though. And we hope, yeah. Kyle blurbs kind of to the side. It's interesting. His blurb yeah. posture. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's trying to, like, maybe stay abreast of the camera at the same time. Yeah, Kyle, yeah, you know, know, I, uh, I unplug my keyboard whenever we go on the show. So I'm, like, off to the side with a, a multi-monitor setup. Normally, I don't look like I have, like, really bad back problems. <laughs> It just seemed like for it, it kind of read to me like you're just so dialed in. Like you're mm-hmm. oh I, I trust me, I was dialed in. Yeah. <laughs> great. That's good. Karine is a great dialed in blurber. That's my that's my dialed in Kyle I'm that's, sure. how, that's how Kyle that's how Karine looks on a Monday morning when it's hot and heavy. Um so <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. We hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving. We hope you continue your march towards the fantasy football playoffs. Um and we hope you keep listening the rest of the season. We'll be back next week with more great content, more great podcast. Pat Crane's Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Crane yes. has the walkthrough up early for the Thanksgiving games. 
We've all got our stuff on the site. More coming from Pat on Friday. More coming from Denny on Friday. More coming maybe from Kyle. I can't remember. <laughs> was that news to Denny? Yeah. No, no. I, no. I just I was expecting Pat to be like Denny's funnel. You know the thing. funnel. <laughs> <laughs> we love our funnels. I was waiting for it. <laughs> we love our funnels. We love our funnels. We love our listeners. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving for Pat, for Denny, for Kyle. I am also Pat. We'll be back later. Feel the pulse of the city. Feel the beat of the drum. Feel the bass blow your hair. In Las Vegas, live music delivers much more than sound. It's where music comes alive. With artists like Megan Thee Stallion, Maroon 5, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain, Babyface, Lionel Richie, and many more. Every show is a playground for your senses. See the full summer lineup at visitlasvegas.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 